the steam from her hot chocolate rising to tickle the cuddle of her chin, Clem sat listening to her dad. And as soon as Wendy had spoken, Tinkerbell dropped dead, dead as a gossamer-winged doorknob. "'What have I done?' cried Wendy. "'You've killed her, you brute!' said Peter. His shadow covered its eyes in horror. "'But how?' she asked. "'Why, you disbelieved her to death!' Peter explained. Fairies are strong, but such delicate things, not too much more than intentions with wings. Clemency listened, and a good thing, too. Chapter 2 In early gray of the morning, Mr. and Mrs. Pogue marched off through the woods to work. The sun crept upward sluggishly, fat and golden. As it just passed the horizon, setting aglow the tops of the trees, but leaving the forest dark and secret below, Clemency walked out into the woods to begin the day's distractions. There would be no school until the leaves began to turn brown, and the days began to shorten. That season was not so very far off, and Clem intended to make the most of her remaining vacation. She held in her left hand a walking stick that she slung over her shoulder with a basket hanging from the back end like a hobo's satchel. The basket was for the collection of sassafras roots. She intended to continue with her experiments in fizzing, bubbly sweetness. The walking stick was not for walking. Clem knew that there were places in the forest where danger lurked, and when it did not lurk, danger squatted, crouched, or lounged. There was one place where danger reclined, but Clemency usually avoided it. The walking stick she carried in case of danger, in case she came upon a wolf or a troll who needed to be shown what for. Clem's pants rasped softly, swist, 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 as her knees brushed with every stride. The pants were made of burlap and were a point of pride for Clemency. She had sewn them herself, and they were quite stylish. Unfortunately, the only fabric she could get her hands on was burlap, so they were a little rough around the seams. The trees in the forest were as dark as cast iron, older than the dirt they grew in, fatter than walruses, and more twisted than yours truly. A carpet of moss covered the earth and climbed the trees, and was faintly luminous in the green light filtering down through the leaves. Clem walked slowly about, following her nose toward the patches of sassafras saplings. The tingly, earthy smell led her farther and farther into the deep, dark woods. Her path dotted with sassafras that she pulled from the soft earth, shook clean of dirt, and tossed over her shoulder into the basket. As the sun approached its zenith, Clem came to a great gorge that dropped abruptly from the edge of the trees. The ground just stopped at a rocky precipice, the exposed roots of ancient oaks dangling precariously into empty space. Clem, tempter of fate and gravity, kicked a pebble over the edge and watched it tumble slowly down, a tiny white dot that grew tinier as it tumbled through space, falling and falling and falling for ages before tapping against the side of the gorge and bouncing out to tumble farther and farther still before plunking into the lazy stream at the bottom. Clem whistled in admiration of the gorge's depth. 
She felt the weight of her sassafras basket and decided it was about half as heavy as she could bear. She turned and started back home through the woods. The moss underfoot had dried with the noon sun and crunched slightly as Clem wove her way through the trees. The woods were otherwise quiet. The slight crunch of moss underfoot, the swishing of her burlap pants, and a light rustle whenever Clem shifted her sassafras basket, but no more. Until a small, waspish buzz entered Clem's ear for the briefest moment before a burning pinprick presented itself on her basket hand. Oh, drat! Clem dropped the walking stick and basket, sassafras spilling out aromatically. She looked at her hand, a tiny red dot midway between her thumb and pointer finger, a wasp's sting, perhaps, but then another, near her elbow. Drat! Drat! Clem swatted at the air by her elbow and saw the culprit, a tiny insect, slightly smaller than a wasp, the color of yam flesh. The insect descended onto her side and stung her again. The otherwise peaceable Clem, thrice stung, lost her gentle disposition. She slapped the insect against her side mightily with a gesture like a very fat man swarthily admiring his own girth. The insect took no heed and stung her again by the navel. She slapped it again with surely enough force to kill a cow, let alone this bug. Despite the blow, the tiny scoundrel stung her again on the arm. Clem turned and ran. The insect pursued, diving between Clem's flailing arms and stinging her again several times. Clem stumbled over the giant roots of the ancient trees, calling out to forlorn, Drat! with every sting. Clem turned, focusing on the buzzing sound, and swatted at it. She batted the tiny aggressor against one of the great oaks. The tiny monster was stunned momentarily, and Clem turned again, falling over a root, but still moving, still running. The great trees whirred past like locomotives. In the back of her head, Clem could still faintly hear the buzzing. The little beast was on her again. She tried to run faster, but her legs had filled with lead. Her lungs were white and frozen for lack of air. Clem burst through a low hedge of shrubs and out onto the gorge. The exposed roots of the mighty trees dangled before her over the void. Oh! Clem was so tired. Drat! She turned just in time to see the infinitesimal firebug buzz right up to her face. In the brief instant before it stung her on the tip of the nose, Clem realized what the tiny creature was. Its body was that of a human, tiny arms and legs, little fingers and toes like threads, a little person, perfectly formed, save for any bits that you could not show on television. It had a sweet potato pallor, its skin the vibrant orange of cooked yams. From its back... Four dragonfly wings whirred and buzzed like water spattering on a hot griddle. The tiny aggressor was a fairy, and a mean one. In its hand it held a wand like a tiny cigarette, dull white, all the way up with a searing orange tip, which it thrust into the end of Clemency's nose. Clem swatted at the imp in a mad ape rage. The fairy dodged backward with malicious grace, dove forward again, and stung Clemency's cheek. 
Only an inch away from her eye, Clem could see the fairy grinning, bubbling over with her own evil. Clem drew in a great bellows full of air, shaped her lower lip like the spout of a pitcher, and puffed upward. The fairy was blown from her face, tumbling in midair. Clem raised her arms and brought her hands together in a clap that would easily have brained an elephant. The fairy emerged from her hands unshaken, grinning like a barracuda. It was invincible. It dove forward at Clem's neck, and she fell backward, trying to evade the tiny burning barb. She realized an important thing as her legs buckled and she fell backward. She realized that there would be no ground to catch her for the next thousand feet or so. She was falling into the gorge. Clem's breath left her as the treetops arched away in a rush. Her arms pinwheeled backward. Straight as a board, she fell like a domino into the emptiness. Hard wood smacked her in the back. The exposed roots of the mighty oaks dangling over the nothing caught and cradled her in their gnarled bark. Clem was thankful for the roots, not for saving her so much as for delaying her doom. She knew there was no escape. Above her, she could see the whirring wings of the fairy glowing in the afternoon sun. It hovered, seeming to savor the anticipation of cutting off a girl's life after a scant ten years, just on the verge of a great discovery in cold sassafras technology. She knew the fairy would not let her back onto land, and she knew that all that awaited her in the other direction was the big fall, followed by the big splat. She imagined she would not be in any state to care when it came time for the big getting eaten by ants. Even if she somehow managed to land in the stream at the gorge's bottom, it would only mean that she would end up soup instead of porridge. And how